Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. everyone, this is Dan uh, at Vertex School, and I am the head of the animation department. Today I have with me Jess Simard, and would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, like Dan said, I am Jess. Uh, I work at Playground Games on Fable, currently was announced uh, last month. Uh, and uh, I work in the UK, but I'm a Canadian, and I used to work for a small indie studio called Spearhead Games and uh, before that, but apart from that, the all, all the experience I have, yeah. Very cool. Um, so how, how exactly did you get into the video game industry? Is it something you knew you wanted to do since you were in grade school? Is it something you came into later? And what did that process look like for you? Uh, it's a weird one, really. I started a career in sound engineering and I did that for about five years. So live sound for uh, shows and and I got like a, a like a stable job at a venue, but I got bored. So I just decided to do an animation course that was like one year intensive. Mm -hmm. And I liked it, but I didn't consider it a career. And then eventually like the sound stuff didn't really pan out for me. I was like, fine, I'll go back to school. And since I had done the animation thing a bit before, I like, I just went to university and game a games course uh, of a like relatively renowned school in my region for that. And I'm like, okay, I'll take my chance with that. It's and turns out like it's really really similar job. So I was already really comfortable with it. Oh, very cool. Um... So again, talking more about like the, the start of your career and things along those lines, thinking back to your own demo reel and thinking about students that are now putting their demo reels out and trying to get noticed and, 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 and whatnot. Is there anything in particular that if a demo reel came across your page and they're like, or across your desk rather, and they and your boss came to you and said, hey, we want you to, to look at all these demo reels before you even looked at them, is there anything in a demo reel that you can think of? You're like, I really hope I see this in this particular demo reel. Uh, well, yes. I mean, the chances are I'll probably look at game demo reels most likely. So uh, for a junior, really, if they were to apply for Fable, let's say, or even the Omen site, the game I worked on before, like I'd look for a few combat pieces, some cycles, and not much more than that like and then i I go more into okay like how good are your body mechanics or is your cycle looping properly like i'm i think we're we're tough on juniors but mm -hmm. like if the potential's there then i'd be willing to take them in and just mentor them really yeah. you don't need to be perfect but you still need to to show that you're like you want it yeah so if a student was coming straight out of school uh, with a demo reel and the only thing that they have is stuff from their school, like they don't have, they didn't have personal time in the last year or however long uh, other than just their schoolwork um, and you get 10 different 
schoolwork demo reels and let's say they're all from the same place and uh, that happens a lot <laughs> that's not a lot uh, there's there's really not a lot of great animation schools out there i mean there's some really great ones but there's not a lot of them so you're not seeing you're going to see the same character probably 10 times when you're looking at demo reels for a day um but say let's just say every single one of them 10 10, 10 demo reels came across every single one of them has the same exact characters in it and everything else and the skill level seemed to be the same from one to the next to the next to the next um but there's just different animations in them like somebody might have had some run cycles another person might have had some walk cycles another person might have had some idle cycles how would you if they were all generally the same uh same skill level it seems how would you decide which reel is the one that you would say I want to talk to this person or I want to talk to these couple of people. Do you, do you have a, an idea of what you might do to? I hate saying this, but yes, but presentation overall, like how you're presenting your, your, your game animations from your school project, really, if you're just throwing it all in there and not really telling me which ones you've done or, I mean, and you could like, people can probably see this, but, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like making it. it doesn't have to be like an engine or anything. It could be a nice play blast, but make it nice, not pixelated. Give me a good angle. Don't make it run for three sec like uh, three seconds, not long, but I mean like 30 seconds of the run cycle spinning on, on place kind of thing, you know, like yeah. just get to the point and make the presentation generally like nice. I think mm -hmm. that person would get like if all the animations are same level. I think that person would get a, a like a, a little bump up for right. to get an interview. I mean, it, it sounds superficial, but like it's an added like you're an animator and your your design judgment and like what you find nice is also being judged in a way because you have to have like we kind of. I mean, a junior not so much, but it shows that you know how to present your work, and it's going to be important to present to the team. Uh, you know, maybe how cameras work. It's all like little details that mm -hmm. can help you. So yeah, I, I think if everything was equal, uh, presentation would the the best presentation would probably get an interview out of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You were saying I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, but um. It, the thing is, is a lot of the times you might get a thousand resumes and a thousand demo reels when you open up a position at a studio. So there has to be a way to cut those down quickly. And if you have almost identical looking reels, it really comes down to the person viewing it to then um, come up with other reasons and other ways to narrow it down more. Um, so for me, when I'm looking at demo reels, the ones that catch me and the ones that I tend to like go back on, and this is obviously a personal thing, but the ones that I'm like, okay, I'm going to save that one and I'm going to move on to the next and I'm going to, and how I decide if, if I'm like on the fence about someone or otherwise is for me, it's comedy. Like I love comedy. A good so, funny thing always goes a long way. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. I, and I'm going to think about it again when I'm watching someone else's reel, if it's the same character, I'm going to remember that character slipped and fell or did something, said something funny or did something funny. And for me, like that holds true. Now that's not for everybody. Somebody else might be like, man, like I see comedy all day long. 
I really want a, an emotional piece. I want to see an emotional change in somebody uh, on a deep level. Um, so I, I like just hearing what some other people's personal ideas and thoughts and otherwise are in presentation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I was coming from, I guess that that's not false. If like I was looking really at just like everyone has the same type of stuff, but like honestly, honest to God, if there's a student and all the other students in the school <laughs> have the same-ish demo reel with the same project and same character, that one student who has a personal piece in there gets my heart. <laughs> like right. I'm like, oh yeah, you put yeah. that extra little bit of time, and yeah, that's absolutely. your and that's your hero piece, mm -hmm. and that's like the it's the cool one in your reel. Cause you yeah. like it's the one you like. Dan, it's like it's the one you picked, and you didn't have any school constraints for it. And it, like, I think that's cool. But uh, in an ideal world, if they were all equal, I think I'd get everyone an interview and pick off personality. Actually. Yeah. So that's another but, really big part that a lot of people don't think about is, oh, I've got this, I've got this perfect demo reel. It's gorgeous. Let's just say it is. Let's say they've yeah. got gorgeous stuff, and you're like, wow, how's this not a senior? Um, uh, the next step of it is you as a person, um, yeah. where obviously um, being a terrible animator and then trying to get a job just off of your personality isn't going to work, but it's definitely a piece. Um, so where we did interviews before and interviews that I've been to before, you usually don't just meet in this industry. You usually don't just meet one person. You're not going in, talking to one person, and then you're good to go like a lot of other jobs are. Uh, I remember sitting at round tables with like 10 animators sitting there looking at my work, uh, judging my work, asking me questions about it, asking me questions about my personal life and things along those lines. Um, so you need to actually sell yourself as well. And you want to make sure you're not doing it in a way that you're not yourself, not because it's going to make it so you don't get the job, but when you do get the job, you actually do fit in. So people are like, oh, hey, uh, welcome, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, you're not getting an interview if your work wasn't already stellar. So um, just assume that your animation is good. If you've gotten an interview, that that part of the step has already been done. Now they're making sure they like you, and then they're going to make sure they like how you react to stuff. So Also, like on, on that, like for the students out there, like you were saying, if you got an interview, normally it's because your your animation's good enough for the job. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they ask you any questions about your reel or like, what's your weakest piece? And I don't think we're like at least personally, but I'm pretty sure my my team would back me on this. We're not looking for you to slam one of your pieces. We're just looking. Can you speak about your animation and explain your train of thought in like a smart way? Really, like just just speak with it with passion, and it's fine. It's just, we're just we just want you to talk. We don't we're not here to like have a major critique on your portfolio. We don't we don't really care. You're here. We liked it, you know. Like so, yeah. Just calm down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's uh, that was one of the next thing I was going to get to. Um, so in the interviews that we've done, and I remember them from my own interviews, was bringing up your demo reel in front of everyone at the at the table or in several different rooms, depending on the studio. But um, I remember one in particular, where I was at a huge round table with like 10 animators in front of me and they're looking at my demo reel. And then they said the same thing, you know, what was your weakest piece and why do you think it was your weakest piece? Um, it's a really hard question to get it, And it's, 
it's one of those like what is your weakness kind of questions like and you're like oh i have to find a positive way of saying this um but yeah it's exactly that and and then they might critique it a little bit like okay yeah i agree like that piece could have blah 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 and then they might critique your work a little bit and a big part of that is how are you going to receive that critique yeah i've seen <laughs> i've seen plenty of really great animators come in for interviews we give a small critique about their work or ask them to critique their own work and one they aren't willing to say anything about their own work that's not perfect uh and then the second part was is getting really defensive about their work when you're like oh hey uh yeah i noticed uh that piece that you picked out like it looks like the the foot landings are a little light is that something you did on purpose or were do you think you just needed to change the timing there a little bit to make it the the steps feel a little bit more purposeful um and I, I can think of several instances where people get super defensive, they lock up, and then they're like, they they almost want to tell you you're wrong about what you're seeing in their work. And you might say something that's not necessarily right, like, oh, they look floaty, uh, and it might not be. But the thing is, is you're going to get that every single day at work, uh, in dailies, if you have dailies, or just people coming by your desk and you're asking them for an opinion on something, people are going to tear your work apart for the next 20 years. So you have to be good at sitting there and listening to it and not going, they're wrong, but if I don't believe it, why do they feel that way? So then what I really like is when I've asked people these questions, like, okay, I, I think I know what you're saying, but can you like uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Like you said that it feels floaty, but I'm not seeing it. I'd like to like, where in there are you seeing it? Cause I'd love to be able to, to, to fix what you're saying. Um, and being able to receive it well and being able to ask questions about the the critique that you've got so that you can apply it to your work and i know in a demo reel like someone might go home and fix their work but generally speaking obviously you're not coming back to them with your changes um but being able to hear it and receive it is huge and that is that has taken some really amazing animators that had big names um coming across my table having the interview and being like yeah, no, like we can't hire this person there. They came off really arrogant or they came off um, like like their work wasn't wasn't bad or or whatever the, the situation was. But yeah, a lot of times it's personality too. Um, I've been told one time like, oh, it sounds like you're like really into the outdoors. You like skiing and snowboarding and hiking and camping and blah, 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 blah. All of our guys here are more like going to the arcade after work and stuff along those lines. Like. We invited you to something like that would you go and i was honest and i said it depends on what the arcade <laughs> yeah. is or otherwise but i mean for the most part like i could see myself doing that stuff i enjoy that stuff too but these are my personal preferences and come to find out like that team that i was interviewing for were all like best friends and they do everything together and they are basically okay. looking for another friend to the add to their party i didn't know that and it it's no fault of my own for having my own personal life and being different than these guys. But it, it would be awfully awkward if I was like, yeah, I love that stuff. Like, absolutely, just to say it. And then if I got the job and every day they're like, hey, after work, we're gonna go do this thing, wanna go? And I'm like, no, no. You know, like they didn't, they didn't get what they hired either. You know, they hired someone that was gonna be a more social part of their team. So I think being yourself is really important in an interview because you don't wanna come off as something that you're not and then have that called upon later and then you know you've just let down that 
that studio it's, in. It's funny that you say that because when I interviewed for PG, one of the questions was like, what do you do on your free time? And I was like, right now I'm really into like Olympic weightlifting and stuff. Turns out my whole team loves that too. So I was just yeah. like, and I'm like, oh man, like now I, like, I almost doubted myself because I'm like, do I really like it that much? I, I do, I do. But like, yeah. but um, also just the feedback thing. Uh, I think it's also important to be able to receive feedback from non-animators. Non mm -hmm. uh, they might not be able to express it, but I've seen a lot of people shrug off valid feedback that's maybe expressed a bit <laughs> weirder because they, they don't have the words for it. Mm -hmm. But from like very very f valid feedback from other departments or like uh even in school like just your your school friends because mm -hmm. they're not animators i don't know how the program is but when when i went to uni it was uh i was an animator but in my same class i had modelers i had uh tech animators and all that stuff and uh i always thought it was good to have their input on my work because sometimes they see things that we might not think about Mm -hmm. And it's it's nice to have the opinion of different people. So, and it's a good way to practice your feedback receiving too. I mean, if yeah. you get defensive because your friends like, ah, it's a little weird. Imagine mm -hmm. like having like 50 people in the office or like in front of the whole animation team. If you have a big animation team, being like, yeah, uh, about that. <laughs> like yeah. you're gonna have to fix this and this and this, and you just can't take it. Well, you know, like. You're gonna yeah. have a hard time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's critiquing is a big part of the job. Um, for the last few big studios that I worked for, we had dailies. So every day for about an hour, you're looking at everyone else's work. They're looking at your work, and a lot of people look at this as a my boss is checking up to make sure I'm doing my work on a day to day. But that's really not what it is. Because as a single animator, like I'm, I, I'm the only one uh, at my current job who's an animator. I don't have other animators to bounce stuff off of. I need to bounce it off of um, other disciplines and things along those lines. So what it is is it's super useful information, and you can sit there and just watch everybody's work and not say anything, and nobody will probably really mention anything uh, except for maybe at a year-end review or something. But what that is, is it's a team building thing because every animation should have a touch of everyone else in that studio's work in it, you know? So even if it's a run cycle, when people look at it and they're gonna go, oh, hey, uh, this, you need to change this thing on this foot, um, like that helped that person. And then you might have, so, uh, when you see something in someone else's work, being able to be an additional part and help to that person is really important, at least it is to me, to be able to give good critiques so that I know that they're a useful part of the team. If I'm not gonna be there to give somebody a critique and it's just gonna be my team there, I wanna make sure I have a team of people that are capable of helping each other through each of those steps. And I also think it's a great way of learning is um, I'm gonna show you an animation and let's say it's, let's say it's like as perfect as perfect can get. It's uh, a recent release of a Pixar movie and it's a beautiful scene or something along those lines. And what I like to do is look at something and go, okay, I wanna critique this scene. 
um, I need to do, I need to find something that helps me have a better eye for animation because I'll sit there and I'll stare at it and I go like, no, the hand hands look great. The facial expressions look great. The, the arcs look awesome. The weight looks awesome. And I have to find something. And for me, that really helps focus in on my own work because if I can give a critique on something that I'm not even capable of doing, it's going to help me um, see it in my own work next time. Like, oh yeah, I yeah, remember when I was sure. looking at this this scene from Onward and like there was this gorgeous scene, they did this thing with their foot. Um, I think I want to try to do that, that kind of pivot the next time I animate something. So um, critiquing can actually help both sides. It helps you learn yourself and obviously it helps the person that you're critiquing their work. So um, I feel those critiques are a huge, huge, huge part of- Yeah, and, uh, and like you, you have to see it in a way where like it's not necessarily because your work is bad, it's just a way to improve it. I have like a recent example where I felt like my animation was solid, but then when we reviewed it, like because, uh, because of how the camera is placed, then maybe like, just like make the shapes clearer and more readable and like because as as a game animator you know you you tend to like make sure the animation looks nice from every angle but there's one angle always that's a bit more important especially if it's a hero like the the player's animation then maybe you'll see it from the back but it has to read really nicely and recently that was one of the things like i, was, I got feedback on like the animation wasn't wrong it just needed to be more readable and like and then like when i get that little nugget of knowledge then i can just bring it back to all the other next animations i do in the similar thing or mm -hmm. uh even even uh like eventually you get you get critiques from your team but also from let's say designers where you eventually you get used to working with them and you'll you'll know what they want but sometimes they'll be like hey uh can you make this snappier? Can you make it faster? Can it, it doesn't read well enough. And, you know, like, so yeah, it's, it's really, it really is a learning opportunity. And as the least experienced animator on my team right now, uh, me being able to f give feedback to the more senior ones also teaches me like what I know and what I don't know. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's also quite valuable. So like just to, on top of your points, because I agreed with everything you said. <laughs> yeah. <Well>, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, more about uh, early on, and and specifically in learning uh, the craft. Um, I know I have a few books that I absolutely admire. I know that some people think that they're overplayed because everybody loves them and it's just big name stuff. But I, I honestly, I keep a couple of books uh, that or the bookshelf is too far away for how much I love these books. So they're literally sitting on the floor next to me because I'll pick them up all the time. And I've been animating for 15 years and I'll pick a book up and be like, right, I want to, I'm going to do a walk cycle. I want to look at just some ideas on walks or refresh my mind real quick on how hips work or shoulders or anything along those lines work. Are there any resources that you suggest for, uh, an early on animator, like a, a book or maybe a movie they should watch or anything along those lines? Uh, well, you could always go with the cliche <laughs> animator survival kit and the illusion of life. I think those are like must-haves, even if like 
even if it's you do more realistic stuff exactly <laughs> and even if uh like the information could be a bit dated on certain aspects mm -hmm. uh it depends what anime you talk to really yeah. uh but those are definitely they will will definitely help you if not when i was still in in uni it wasn't necessarily books but the the gdc animation talks really helped me get ahead uh, mm -hmm. compared to, to my uh, my like fellow students in animation just mm -hmm. because uh, like there was a lot of workflow tips little things to consider uh, if so like really like the tricks of the trade really mm -hmm. helped me on that aspect uh, and then if you want to go a step further get uh, <laughs> this sounds stupid but they no they never teach the graph editor <laughs> So just get like a, a more senior student to show to open it up for you and show you what it does. And yeah. that should that should help you quite a bit already. But as for books, not a like oh cinematography books, like cameras. Uh it's kinda weird because I used to want to be a concept artist, so I got a lot of concept art books, but one that helps me for animation is framed ink. Okay. Just because it's about composition of like your shots and stuff. I don't do very uh, a lot of camera stuff, but like when I do, at least I know I know the basic rules, right? So mm -hmm. that that one helped me quite a bit. Uh, if not, I just grab everything I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, no, uh... there's there's like the who is it? Uh, the game animation book that came out recently it has nice information in it. Mm -hmm. That that's uh from a uh, Jonathan Cooper. Yeah. So if people are interested in that, the, the, the info in there is, is quite useful. Yeah, there's a lot of really great resources out there, uh, some really great recent ones as well. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I know it's cliche for the Richard Williams Animator Survival Kit, um, but I mean, mine sits next to me. I, I it, it does have some dated stuff in there. It's It's timed for film more than it is for games because we use different frames per second and that kind of stuff but but the ideas are the same really right yeah the animation yeah. of yeah. art or of uh, animation of art the art of animation hasn't changed since the day it started like there's you're always going to have timing without timing you're not going to work you know and um i think it goes into a lot of that stuff and there's a little bit of anatomy in there and stuff like that but um i i adore the book and yeah, I know it's cliche to, to, to talk about, but um, it's fun to hear about other books too, like Jonathan Cooper's book and things along those lines, because um, people know the cliche stuff. And I love asking this question because uh, a lot of the times I'll hear about something I don't know about. So they'll go look into it and be like, sweet, yeah. Like I know this is for beginners, but I wanna check it out. Maybe there'll be something in there. Um, so yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, that that's, um, I actually had not, I mean, if there's any doubt, I think, I think, because I sit next to my senior, I think he has the illusion of life on his desk, and on my desk, I have the survival kit, and then in the bookshelf, we have the game anim. So we have the books at work. It's not forbidden knowledge, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And then I have my own copy here, so. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Um, so uh, on a little bit of the, the lighter side, um, what would you say is the most fun animation that you've done? Not it doesn't have to necessarily. Done. It doesn't necessarily have to be 
um, like an animation that when someone watches it is fun. It could be while you created it. It could be um, it could be funny or whatever. Just what is your what is what was your most fun you've done for an animation? I think that hasn't changed in a while. Uh, I was uh, it was on Omen site the first game I made at the indie studio, and <laughs> I was the only animator for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, basically all the whole project, the whole project. But my funnest animation, and it still is, was the idol breakers for the guards, and the guards were like wolf, uh, humanoid wolf type characters, and like I would have them like scratch their ear and then like howl, or then like chase their tail, or <laughs> like, and it's the shortest, dumbest thing, but they were the funnest things to do. Like I, I, I love doing the little personality like. Uh, idol stuff that just because like idol like just a regular idol with nothing happening it's not but then you put that little personality piece in there and then it changes everything suddenly your character feels more alive even though it's two or three things uh, back in the indie game you just like you pass by them and and like one of them is like ah I have fleas and then you're like ah look what he did (laughs) yeah yeah. so I think that counts as I would probably say those types of animations, but specifically the wolf guards. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any particular animation or type of animation that you would just love to do at some point? Uh, quadrupeds. I think I've done two two quadruped animations ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that—that'd be a nice challenge. I think like I'm still learning quite a bit on just bipeds still, but like a monster or something that'd be cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, if you were to think back on um, a 3D or 2D film and think of a particular scene that sticks out to you, uh, maybe it's your favorite scene, maybe it is a powerful scene or otherwise. Or maybe it's just gorgeous. Um, if you could pick out one scene from an animated film and be like, "That's my favorite," what would you say that scene is? Oh man, a scene scene. Uh, I don't have a like a very specific like scene, but like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the whole movie is just insane yeah. to me. Or uh, in the same vein, like the whole Hotel Transylvania movies. But uh, mm-hmm. I think. I just like there no one scene sticks out really I haven't seen it in a while to be fair but uh like just the the over the top animation in those movies was like I still can't get over it so yeah I'd say yeah. I'd say cloudy with a chance of meatballs very yeah. cool very cool and it's funny um I was talking to somebody earlier this week and they were saying like they don't like the over the top animation like that's it's not something that they enjoy and this was um someone that comes from that industry and she was just describing it and I was and as she's saying it I'm sitting there like I love that stuff and it just shows like how personal uh, these types of things are to each individual person they're like I would never want to work on something like that and me and I'm like I'm like man sign me up I love that over the top stuff I like I haven't had a chance to do a lot of that over the top stuff and I would adore doing a shot like that right now like it just that sounds like a whole lot of fun or like if if something it's weird because <laughs> i think like 
I'm just trying to think of an animation that pops out in my head as like something I re- in the Hearthstone cinematic, like the mm-hmm. trailer when like the little girl comes into the tavern and then like everyone just starts dancing and like singing and then like the orc gets mad and like smashes it t- and then he cries and I'm like this this is so like it's so fun I think yeah. and then like the the warrior dude breaks into a ballet. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, no, that this is great cartoons. Like, I wish there was a movie about this, but it's yeah. just a trailer. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's weird that I'm naming like super cartoony things, not at all what I'm doing, like right. at work. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting because I think that's one thing I would really love to do is that over the top cartoony stuff, all the, all that, because it just looks like a lot of fun, and it's it would be a good, a really great challenge for me. Um, but yeah, same thing. Like I've only done really realistic stuff for the last 15 years straight. So um, it would be very interesting to work on something like that. Um, and I and I, I've talked to some other people, uh, not in these podcasts, but I talked to some other people that were the exact opposite. They're like, oh man, I've been working on this like cartoon stuff for so long. Like just I want to be able to go in and do really small nuances with realistic. Or I've even heard someone, uh, and this was a little bit further in my past. But someone had told me at one point, like, I'd love to work with mocap. And it's not every day you hear an animator say that they want to work with mocap. Um, I actually enjoy mocap. Yeah. It's it's different, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that's that's the that's interesting to me, you know, like I, I don't enjoy working with mocap, but so many people do. Some people want to work in just mocap, and some people want to work on hand keyed only over the top stuff. So yeah, it's, um, I love that we have so much variety that we can get into as well. So like if you're an electrician, you're probably hanging lights, putting in switches, uh, hooking things up to the pole and power panels and stuff like that, but it's that all the time. And in animation, since it's a creative field, your job today might be way different than your job next week. Like this week you might be cleaning up mocap, flying out to the mocap capture studio and instructing the actors and doing all that kind of stuff. And then the following week, you're animating hand keyed uh, some dragon or something along those lines that obviously you could never get mocap for a dragon. So for me, I, I, I what I love about our field is the variety. Like we, every time you touch a different character, you're doing something different with that character. It's not another light switch. It's not another light bulb. You know, it's it's completely different. So, like, if, like, since you said you've been working on more realistic stuff for, like, a long time, like, how, like, you wanting to do cartoon things, but how would you feel if you actually got the chance to do it? Like, would you feel comfortable? Like, would no, or like, because <laughs> I I feel like that's a total like switch of of like how you approach an animation completely, and like, and then there's also the factor of like, you're going, you would be maybe going from games to like film or mo- uh, or like TV or whatever, and and it's like completely different on that side also on how the those people work and just like i feel that'd be like dropping someone into a fire pit (laughs) of like hardship yeah yeah see i actually love that stuff um when i went from firaxis over to zenimax uh i had primarily only done bipedal stuff and for the most part i was just on the leaders so i had done all acting 
And then the school that I went to was mostly acting animation. Um, I got over to uh, ZeniMax Studios and um, one of the first things I had to do was a crab. And uh, I had never really done much creatures. And now I have to do this crab and um, make it attack and make it walk and die and do all these crazy things. I had never done a creature. And I'm like, oh man, I've been doing this for a while, but I've never done a creature. Like I absolutely strive on those things. And I feel it's when I do my best animation is when I have something that's gonna challenge me to the point that I'm almost scared it's not gonna turn out good because then I'm paying more attention. Like I'm looking at crab anima uh, not animation, but I'm looking at crab references. I'm looking at uh, different characters that might look like that. And what are the mechanics behind how it, it moves? What are the, what's its anatomy like? If it was going to attack me, does it actually like wind up and pinch? Or does it like slowly come out and wait for you to get in its claw and then pinch? It does like, you know, like what are all the different things? And that's when I think I do my best work is when I'm really, really, really having to think about it. But like, I mean, how many times in our careers have we had a bipedal character have to weight shift from one leg to the next? Like, I don't have to really look at reference anymore to just get, know what I have to do to make someone shift their weight. So for me, like, I could probably get better if I was like, okay, this this time when I'm doing this weight switch or this weight shift, I'm going to go out and I'm going to video 20 people doing this thing. And I'm going to look up video reference online to see if anybody's done it. And I'm going to pay attention to every nuance. I probably would do better the next weight shift that I did. But that's only if I'm like giving myself the extra challenge. But if the challenge comes from external, I feel even stronger. Like I've never done this thing before. I'm going to make this work. Like uh, that's actually when I strive. Um, but this is actually leads me into my next question because you said like, how do you do that? And how uh, about the, the being thrown into a fire pit and stuff? Um, one of the obvious most important things as an animator is observation um, and using that observation to create life where there is none. My question for you is now that you've been doing it for a while, how do you keep yourself currently still uh, with an active observational eye? Does that make sense to like how, yeah. how do you continue today to go, I want to work on observing something or I want to try to pay attention to something or uh, do you actively do it or do you think it's gotten to a point where it's subconscious and you're just... Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not at that level. Okay. But, uh, so I had like a, sh a brain shift if, we, if you want to call it that when I got hired at PG. So I went from graduating working on my own like not on my own game but like at a game studio where I'm the only animator and having like no one to help it's like mm -hmm. kind of like I was thrown into a fire pit <laughs> yeah. but then like I got hired at PG with uh with Chris and then we got seniors and I, that, that are all like years ahead of me and mm -hmm. they completely shifted my way of thinking so f I feel like I'm a junior again where <laughs> where like I have to look at different things so like I don't feel like I'm like, I'm not at a point where I'm looking for things to improve because I have so much to improve already. Like, I do run cycle. It's still wrong. And I do walk cycles, and they're still wrong. <laughs> I get corrected, and then I have to look, and then I have to look back at my notes because I don't remember. And then 
I do I do an attack and then like I look at reference and I still find stuff that I don't notice or even uh, which was a shock to me like working with mocap and then looking at how the bones actually move and I'm like oh <laughs> like, yeah like I, I made this comment to to I don't remember one of my seniors and I'm like upper arms don't actually move as much as I move them and mm -hmm. he's like no it was like not in realistic like stuff I'm like oh so like I'm like okay like note note brain note like don't move your arms as much <laughs> like when you're doing yeah. this or that or and so I still feel like every day like I don't I don't have to actively look for it because everything I do is new all the time still so yeah. like everything is observation all the time uh I'm, I'm guilty to just jump into stuff most of the time I am trying to get rid of that habit but yeah, like I have to pay extra att uh, attention still to like all the stuff. So, uh, I mean, I guess that keeps me fresh and on my yeah. toes. But yeah. yeah, like every time I tackle something, I have I, I need I still need reference. It's just like obviously a simple weight shift is fine, but anything more than that is just like, yep, uh, I'm going to totally destroy this if I don't look at how it's actually actually how stuff moves and then even then like I get it wrong sometimes <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so uh, for me it's one of the ways that I continue to have passion for what I do is to continue to grab reference and continue to create my own reference and things along those lines is for me it's a part of the process and yeah I don't want to reference uh, a walk cycle again there's plenty of them out there I have probably a hundred plus videos of me walking. Um, for me though, it's a part of the process that I enjoy and it's a part of what helps me continue to keep my observational eye is to always look at reference. Uh, for me though, it's it's become a little bit more second nature. I tend to find myself uh, observing things and mentioning them to my wife because uh, she's obviously not looking for stuff. And I don't even realize I'm doing it, but um, there's times where we've been out somewhere and someone walks by and I notice that they had a limp or I notice that they carried themselves in a certain way. Um, I also, since I've become an animator, and this is going to sound terrible, uh, I, judge, <laughs> I judge people by, by their look and the way that they carry themselves. Almost what animator doesn't do that? That's not, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> but I mean, like, no, I, I judge their character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Like, oh, it's what's on the inside that counts. Yeah, that, that, does, that is what counts. But if I see someone walking around and they're walking around like this, you know, with their chin up and like walking around like, okay, that guy thinks he's super tough. He's probably going to come off. Possibly his arrogant. You, can, you, you know? can tell someone's looking for trouble from a mile away. Just by right. the way they're walking, you're like, I'm going to change street now. Right. <laughs> like you, like especially because I I walk around the neighborhood quite a bit, and sometimes I I see someone from far, and I'm like, that person is either not sane, or right. they're they're under the influence, or they're well, not not obviously, but like you know, like how people are like twitchy, mm -hmm. or like something's not right, or right. even just I think it was yesterday I was walking. And there's this long, long street, and I saw someone in the distance, and I'm like, "Hey, that looks like my friend." Just by the way she walked, mm -hmm. and as I was getting closer, I'm like, "It is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize your walk now." That's a, yeah. 
And I told her and she's like, you're so weird. <laughs> it is a weird thing, right? Like uh, it's, it's something that people think about with their relationships. Like, oh yeah, I, I could, I could tell you who my wife is from a mile away amongst a hundred people uh, for several different reasons, whether it's her shape, whether it's uh, colors that I know that she likes, whether it's the way that she's walking, the way that she moves her hands when she talks or whatever else. Um, but a part of that is what we have to do every day as animators of um, watching and just paying attention to certain things and observationally figure out why those things are happening. But yeah, I do you have I, um, do you have those times where <laughs> like you're walking, I don't know, like and and then you try different stops and starts. <laughs> it's just like I get to a corner and I'm like, what if I stop? But my head's leading. <laughs> and so, what if I stop and then I lean back? And then mm -hmm. I'm like, if someone's looking at me right now, they're gonna be like, this this person's not normal. <laughs> like, so when I was when I was much uh, younger and new to animation, I would do stuff like that all the time. Like, oh, these rocks look kind of cool. I'm gonna quickly run over there and jump on those rocks to think about how my that. body moves, and then. Um, same thing, like when you're saying starting and stopping, like I'll be like, look down at my body as I'm getting ready to cross the street and I go, wow, I'm actually leaning forward a lot more before I move and like looking at myself and I might stop and do it again. Like, what is this person doing? I don't do that as much anymore with my own self. Uh, I do a lot while I'm animating though. Like while I'm here, uh, I have a, I keep a mirror right here on my desk for facial expressions and things along those lines. But I also look at my hands. There's times where I just stop what I'm doing, like if I'm animating and clicking, um, I'll just stop for a moment and look at my hand because I'm like, oh, I'm actually right now, because I'm a little tense, my hand is actually more of a fist than I think it normally is. And I just, I either take a note of it or um, if I'm animating the hand at that moment, obviously I'm still using it as reference for that. But yeah, I mean, self-reference is actually pretty big and without it even being video, you know, um, like just putting your hand down to your side and being like, okay, that's how I hold my hands. Apparently, uh, my my pinky and my ring finger touch each other, and the other two are wide open. And some people are more along the lines of creating hands like this, where the middle two fingers are closer together. Uh, observation, I think, is probably one of the most powerful tools. And it's funny that when you say like, do you ever do this in public where well, you just stop walking and you figure out how you're turning? Yes, I used I to think do that a lot. And I, I try to not do it anymore because I've made a, a fool of myself enough, I think. If you live in an area where people jog and run a lot, I think this is the funniest observation you can do because people are so weird. You'll have like slack shoulder people with like floppy hands. Then you mm -hmm. have the like woodblock runner and you're like, what is wrong with you? Like, relax. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, you could run so much better if you were more like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you like so, proud chess guy and or like like fast lady that's basically just speed walking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fun, but. So you actually just brought up something that I that I adore about animation and uh, what is what makes I think good animation is introducing character into your uh, your character. So your personality changes so much of what someone's action is, you know. You have this guy who uh, has a nice physique and holds himself with a lot of pride 
and all of that, when you think about him going for a run or for a jog, you don't you don't see the the flailing arm guy. You know, you're probably thinking, oh, this is going to be like watching Tom Cruise go for a run. It's going to be, you know, perfect. Probably. <laughs> for me, like I love thinking about that stuff. Like meeting meeting somebody and and knowing that you want to base a character off of them or something along those lines and then going like huh uh i've watched a lot of angelina jolie movies but i don't think i've ever seen her run and then trying to go okay how would angelina jolie run like i've seen her walking i've seen her talking i've seen her screaming i've seen her shooting i've seen her do all these things i don't think i've seen her run because now all of a sudden you're filling in that spot in your head of that person's character and you have to become that character to get that in there. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up because I absolutely adore the idea of creating character, especially when you don't have reference for it. Like how would that person run? And runs are a really great one as well because they are drastically different from one person to the next. Um, I think I think if I were to give also, like this is a super weird, like a tip to like, young animators, it would be to like have a physical activity as like a thing that mm -hmm. you should consider as a way of improving your animation. Like just do it for fun, obviously for health reasons and everything, but having that, like it, it changes completely your perspective on, on how to animate. If I take like myself, for example, like weightlifting, I mean, I know exactly where the weight goes now like if i'm mm -hmm. lifting something heavy i just i don't even think of, I, look, I look at animation i'm like nope that's not gonna go up yeah. <laughs> like why why does this feel light because you're not using your hips <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah so i mean it can be anything really karate anything would will help your career so like i think that's a that's something i'd probably tell a, a young animator like just go outside and do a sport <laughs> like, yeah yeah is anything will help yeah yeah, it's interesting. You you mentioned like picking up weight and you think about that kind of stuff uh, and how that affects the actual way that it works. So I don't know a lot about lifting uh, an absorbent Olympic amount of weight. I know about picking up 40 pounds because I pick up, you know, like cat food bags and things along those lines, but I don't lift 500 pounds. That's not a part of my life. So if I was to go and animate something of someone lifting 500 pounds, I'd have to look at all kinds of video reference and things along those lines. Um, for me, it's really interesting to think about that kind of stuff because you can feel when something's not right, even if it's not something you do every day. Like if I watch Olympic uh, weightlifting animated, I would know something was wrong if the weight was off because I've looked at weight forever. Yeah. Um, but someone that actually does it could probably critique that even further and then uh the last part of that is thinking about when it is wrong and so there's one like thing that people do these days and it's it's on tiktok or snapchat or one of those things these days but um there's a thing where and i don't know if it they say it's a female male thing where if you have a female and you have her stand in an l shape so with her feet on the ground and then her head against the wall and put a chair underneath of her, she can pick it up to her chest and then stand up straight, right? If a male does that, and I, I haven't tested it and it's only what I've seen online, but if a male does that, once they get the chair up to their chest, they can't stand up straight. <laughs> it's just impossible for them. And if you think about that shape and because the wall is supporting you, 
right? You can actually lift something up and bring it up to your body. And then you'll probably have to have a little bit of a weight shift in order to stand up straight. But um, I wonder balance... if that's just because men tend to be heavier upper bodies than women. And we tend to have a more stable, like lower body. Could be. Yeah. Because we're we're hips heavy. It's also why women tend to struggle with with press ups, uh, push ups in America, <laughs> push ups when they're starting fitness. It's just because upper body strength's not there, mm -hmm. and they can squat like a million pounds. Right. Right. So like, yeah. So I think my that's my theory, but we'd have to prove it. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting observational thing because it introduces external force. So yep. if you're putting your head against the wall you've now got a balance point that doesn't have anything to do with your standing. But if the wall wasn't there and someone is leaned over in an L shape, you're like, they're going to fall on their face. You know, like I, I love that the thinking about that kind of stuff, like, okay, well, if we're going to lift this up, you're not just reaching over and lifting something up because you're not lifting up a hundred pounds, you know, an arm length away from you. You're, it's going to have to be under you and you're going to have to use your legs, your back, your core, your arms, like, Probably your jaw clenching while you're trying to everything, lift, yeah. yeah. Trying to lift this thing up. I love the idea of that kind of stuff because uh, it works on your observation and realizing how body mechanics work and thing along those lines. Because the first that's the first thing I thought of when people were like, "Oh," and I put my head against the wall and I looked at the way they were standing before they even touched the chair that they were lifting up. And I sit in there and I'm like, it just. I'm realizing that if that wall wasn't there and they tried lifting that chair, it, everything about it would be wrong. Like everything about it would be wrong. And I, <laughs> I, I, I pay attention to sort of ridiculous stuff like that. But um, going, uh, trying to change the subject because we've been on observation here for a while. Um, I would, my next part would be as far as process. Um, much earlier on in my career, I did a lot more sketching of my planning to on what I want to do. And I don't do that as much these days. Um, what, how are your 2D skills? And do you use 2D as a part of your process for animation? Uh, my 2D skills are, I like to think they're good. I can draw, mm -hmm. uh, but I do not use them. I no. No, not at all. I mean, it's not... I think it's just how I, I learned we were never like uh, we were never pushed towards there because I, I, I learned straight into 3D mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not married to my keys and uh, the more I go now the more I'll proxy my scene first mm -hmm. so I'll have like a, a cylinder moving around the scene uh, I'm still <laughs> I'm still working on making that more frequent but uh, it's basically the, the the same idea as, as thumbnailing, right? So you'll you'll have, if you have a camera, you have a camera, but right now, like I'm a game animator, so no cameras, but I'll block out my movement with like a cylinder or a ball. And I'm not animating the character unless I believe the cylinder is my character and like it, it's the right timing and it moves sort of okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so like, I think that's my version of, of thumbnailing really, like I'll have a cylinder move around the scene and, yeah. and like, oh, it falls and then it's convincing. Does it look like a body that just fell? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Now I can like animate on top of the character. And, mm -hmm. Very yeah. cool. Um, so, hmm. 
I was, I was trying to think of uh, another direction to take that, but um, I don't think we have the time left to be able to get into as deep as I think that would get. Um, so uh, when you when you're given a shot, um, and let's say it's something you've never done before, or an action that you've never even seen done, uh, let's say it's some special parkour move or something along those lines. What What is your process from start to finish of, hey, we want you to animate a, uh, a 360 front flip over a railing? Go animate okay. that. What is your process from the moment you're told to do that uh, up to finishing? Well, if I haven't done it before, and I'll, I'll assume because my job includes this that I have to put it in the game as a, a like a functional thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll talk to my principal or my senior, see if they've ever done it, and if they have any like uh, words of wisdom. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I'll talk to a designer that's in charge of that, uh, if they have any specific requirements they want. So I'll collect that, and then probably I'll end up finding reference for it especially if it's a parkour thing or well, actually anything really. Uh, and then I'll block it out uh, and then I'll get it reviewed. We'll fix it. If it needs to be fixed, uh, ideally I'll put it, I'll give it to the designer if the timing's close enough to what he wants. Actually, if the, if the timing is what he wants, but the animation's not perfect, I'll just give it to them and they can mm -hmm. put it in an engine with the understanding that the animation's not done and hasn't been like final yet, mm -hmm. uh, designers are okay with that normally. And then I'll just, like I said, get it reviewed, fix it, get reviewed, fix it until <laughs> until my until my my senior say it's fine, and then I can let it go and mark it as finished. Mm -hmm. uh, if I was not in a work environment, uh, oddly enough, I work the same way, but just not just not the same people. So I mm -hmm. uh, we made a group of animators of the relatively the same level uh, we have a little discord and uh, I would just find my reference animate it submit it to the we call it the rip and tear <laughs> we, we just just like destroy this as much as as well as you can and then do a few rounds of that and then ideally I'll show a more experienced animator before I finish mm -hmm. and then get it and then finish it but yeah it's always uh, basically planning and lots of back and forth of reviewing and then finishing when either if it's personal when I'm sick of it if it's not if it's work stuff when my senior's sick of telling me what to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> very cool thank you um, Brett just about an hour now uh, is there anything that you would like to talk about or you think that would be important for a student um, or uh, okay. Yeah, for a student, I mean, I have one really, like, I'm, I'm really, like, I feel this in my my bones because I get this question a lot. What should I put in my demo reel? My answer to that is animate stuff you like. Mm -hmm. That's it. It just, it, it sounds so, so dumb, but, like, if you like, I don't know, Assassin's Creed, the chances are you'll end up animating stuff that fits in the game anyways. So just animate shit you like. Don't think about portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> just, like make it nice, make it a portfolio piece, but don't like don't overthink it and then give yourself like animation block mm -hmm. for like just just go 
anyways, like it's gonna shine through your like, and you end up gonna having pieces that you you can apply with anyways at studios that you'd like to work at because you're gonna be animating stuff you like and applying to studios ideally that you like. So I mean, anyways, that's my my two cents here. I just, I think people are ridiculous. Oh, you should have three walk cycles and then one attack. No, no, just. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that that's that's really difficult for us as a school because uh, we're gonna have we're gonna give them some choices on like oh hey this is a physicality week and it's gonna be about external forces so either uh, pick up a heavy box or open a heavy lid or uh, open a stuck door you know like giving them some options um, but yeah trying to find moments of adding your own thing to your animation but like if you take if you take the examples you give me let's say because i was a student not long ago right i graduated in 2018 so like uh 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 let's say you're like oh open a box or open a a stuck door and stuff hey guess what games i like that do that doom dishonored i'm like can can i make something that's like that has a little tinge of that because it's it's a if you you can imbue that a bit with a like a gameplay perspective, for example, to that animation and make a nice gameplay camera and kind of like fake gameplay footage piece out of it, turns out your your exercise is actually a real piece now. Like yeah. obviously while you're learning, maybe that's not a great idea, but uh like if if you want to include uh like schoolwork, then just approach it from whatever aspect you want out of it really like you just take control of your education is what i'm saying basically is you want you want a piece out of it then just do the exercise give it to your teacher and then if you think it's good enough for a portfolio then push it that extra like 50 percent more mm-hmm. like 150 percent animation yeah. and make it like make it a real piece just oh how does doom guy open a door he kicks it in well there you go do that yeah, yeah. i don't know no that's really I'm great because there's always a way yeah, I, I like I like what you said because a lot of the times it's like, oh, hey, go pick up a box. And you're just going to have very generic person walk up, pick up box. You know, um, I had a couple of things like that as I was a student. It was very generic. Like I wasn't thinking about the character of who was picking up the box or why they were picking up the box or any of that stuff. It was I was thinking about the physicality of go over and pick up that box. But what makes the animation appealing is how are they going and picking up that box and why are they picking up that box and then adding that in there. So you think about the Doom guy, uh, which is a great um, idea because this is a, a burly guy who everything they, he does is strength and everything is a level of cockiness and a level of um, – murderous rage you know so open up the box they might kick it once if there was a lock on it and then instead of just like grabbing the lid i can't see myself on camera right now but instead of like taking the lid and going like this or grabbing it and looking inside like this where a lot of people might do that they're more careful and more have more finesse if he already kicked the box and he had to go and open it he probably would grab it like in a different way and rip it open instead of like the Ooh, treasures. It's probably like rip this lid off of here and the lid goes flying and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. like the on top of that, like if you choose something like that and make it a bit more your own, my theory is here is that it worked for me actually, but 
is that you'll care more about your exercise anyways, so you'll put more time into it and you'll learn more from it anyways. So why why wouldn't you do it anyways? And also like appeal is one of the principles, so you're just working an extra like staging and all that stuff. Why not, you know? Like might go go that extra. If you want to be an animator, go the extra a little bit, you know. Yeah, I I actually struggled with that as a student off of the bat because I came from an engineering background. I was uh, very mathematical, very logical thought processes. Uh, and then I was jumping into something that's very creative and very um, not that. So it showed. And I had uh, some people mention some things to me like that, like, yeah, how does this animation look? I'd ask them. Uh, and they say, yeah, they're doing what you want it to do, but it's very vanilla it's very bland there's nothing going on i could throw a 20 different characters onto that model and they would all look normal yeah i could have a giant on there i could have a little girl on there i could have a skinny person a heavy person an angry person a happy person and it works but where is the fun in that where's the appeal of opening that box or otherwise and it's i struggled with it at first because i was I was so focused on the mechanics of, okay, I mean, where's the weight and where's this and where's that? That stuff's important, but if I'm going to be bending over and doing something, I might as well add some fun to it by like, like I said, like with the Doom guy, maybe he's reaching this way instead of this way. Uh, you still struggle for a moment and rip this way instead of this way, but it's adding character. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's perfect answer. I mean, I say that, but I still struggle doing that. I still do vanilla generic stuff a lot. So, I mean, it's just, you know, like an afterthought, hindsight thing. Like if I was yeah. a student, I think that's what I'd tell myself. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, have fun with your, your assignments. It, it's, I think it's something that most people struggle with until they finish animating, yeah. until they retire. It's... Learning to animate is something that you're going to learn and something you're going to continue to learn until the day you retire. Um, and for me, it's nice to have those little reminders. Uh, for me teaching, I'm actually remembering things and instructing students things from when I learned that I have since let slide or things that I have since uh, not taken into account very much. Like the drawing thing, I stopped drawing uh for like 10 years i didn't use sketching at all i just happened to buy this cintiq and since it, i uh i animate with my pen instead of with my mouse it's it's so natural for me to just tap on like photoshop do a quick sketch and even though i'm a garbage drawler uh i can get an idea down really quick and i haven't done that in years and years and years and now i'm finding it i'm putting it back into my 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 process because um, it's so easy for me now to, to do that, even though it's I, it doesn't look good. But it's it, it is interesting to see that um, it's changed over the years the way that I am I'm doing that kind of stuff. But um, is there you had you you did bring up some really great stuff. Is there anything else uh, that you would like to add or any thoughts for anybody or um, or or you think we're covered? What you'd like to uh, say. I think we're covered. Just like have fun with that's that's all it is really. Like right. I think people, I think a lot of students get really 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 nervous 
and it's normal and i'm not saying it's easy to get in it's not but also like just have fun like you're young yeah you know like yeah it, you're looking to make i mean video games in the in the creative field enjoy yourself i f i feel like a lot of like i've had especially recently i don't know why like younger like people that are about to graduate and like oh i'm 22 i feel like i'm too old and i'm like i switched careers at 25 and i started mm -hmm. like professionally at 28 and then I know people who start even later and you'll, you'll be fine. Relax, you know, like just take the time to learn properly, go through the motions, work hard and you'll be fine. You know, like just, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk with us. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, your thought processes on a lot of our questions. And um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. And uh, I mean, it was a pleasure. It's always fun to talk about animation. Yeah. yeah. All right, great. Thank you so much. And um, I will talk to you later. Yes, thanks. See ya. All right. Okay, bye bye. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.